Go ahead, Daniel chapter 6, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. We are continuing our series called Do Not Disturb on Prayer. Here we go, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it says this. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room with his windows open, somebody say the windows were open. Uh, we'll, we'll preach that in a second, but just remember, the windows were open. He went down, and the windows opened toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. In other words, Daniel did this every day, and he was doing it again on this day. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplications before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. They said to the king, have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days, except for you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, the thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. In other words, there was a decree in the land that for 30 days you couldn't pray to anybody but the king of Babylon. And they came and they said, listen, this Daniel guy, he's disregarding you. He's dishonoring you. He's disrespecting you. He's praying to his God, and he doesn't care about your decree. Skip over to verse 16. It says this. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. It's not the message, and I'll preach that a different day. But man, I'm believing for the day where my faith puts faith in an unbeliever. Listen, you're in trouble when an unbeliever is telling you what your God can do because they've seen God move in your life in such a supernatural way. Come on, let's pray. Father God, we are grateful. We're thankful. God, for this opportunity, God, to be in your presence, God. You are here overflowing in peace and purpose and power. God, you're healing the sick. God, you're bringing hope to the hopeless. God, you're bringing wisdom to those that are seeking you. You're taking us one step closer to the purpose that you have for us. God, I pray that this would be a divine moment, that we would never be the same. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. We're in uh, week two of a series, uh, I was about to say that we started last week, but that would make it week two if it started last week, called Do Not Disturb, and really just building our faith around the idea that prayer actually changes things, that prayer is not just complaining to God, it's not just talking to God, but prayer shifts kingdoms, prayer opens the heavens in our lives, prayer actually dictates the trajectory. How many people, you made, you made some appointments with God this week? How many people, you didn't just walk by the closet, you didn't just rush out the door? You, you know what's so funny? I was preaching to y'all last week, and I was preaching to myself, and I was like, all right, I got to keep some appointments. I can't run out the door missing goodness and mercy. They need to follow me through this day. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, it means you missed church last week. Go on YouTube, get the message, catch up. Um, the, the message... 
this is going to sound so bad. You got to understand, I'm obedient to God, and sometimes I slice things. The message I'm preaching today is not the message I wanted to preach. I, I, I wanted to come week two and preach a message on how to pray, talking about our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Prayer starts with relationship and honoring God and understanding that you're his son and all that other good stuff, and kind of just make it super simple and super practical. And uh, we're going to do that next week. Uh, but, but God put a message on my heart that honestly has, has been troubling me, and, and I think it's going to do something in our church supernaturally, so I'm going to be obedient to God, but I'll be honest with you, this message may convince you not to pray instead of convincing you to pray. I want to preach a message today called When Prayer Is the Problem. Prayer is not fixing my problem. Prayer is the problem. Here's the thought or here's the concept. Most of us, when we pray, we're praying because there is a problem. We're praying because, God, I, 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 I'm dissatisfied at my job, and, and I'm looking for a new job, or I'm looking for a promotion. God, there's a sickness in my body or in a family member's body, and God, you're a healer. I'm praying for healing. God, I'm, I'm just not happy right now. I'm lacking joy or whatever it may be. So often, our prayers are in a response to a problem that we're facing. And by the way, that's not a bad place to pray. It says to cast all your cares upon God because he cares for you. So don't hear me say I can't pray about my problems. You absolutely can and should pray about your problems. Yeah. One of the things that I've discovered as I've just been living my life walking with Christ and studying the word that yes, as I seek God, as I pray, he supernaturally moves in my life. He eradicates problems and he brings solutions. But I've also discovered that not only does prayer fix problems, but prayer causes problems. In this passage that we're reading, we come across Daniel. Daniel is probably, uh, in all of Scripture, the most documented follower of God of having the strongest prayer life next to probably Jesus. Daniel is who we have to blame for the 21 days of prayer and fasting. If it wasn't for Daniel, it'd be like seven days. We'd be good. It'd be three days. But then, oh, Daniel, he got to say, no, no, for 21 days. And, and by the way, all you legalists that are just like, well, if it's really 21 days of prayer and fasting, you should only be drinking water and drinking, eating bread. And, you know, I'm doing a Daniel. A Daniel fast includes no lotion, no deodorant, no soap. But listen, if you're going to fast the way that Daniel did, so you take your legalism somewhere else. I want to hear about no Daniel fast and you still putting on jerkins. It doesn't count. Anyway, Daniel was the one that was seeking God for the deliverance of his nation for those 21 days. Daniel was actually a slave. He was a captive in the land that he was in. He had been kidnapped out of Jerusalem. And as he was in slavery, he still had the favor of God. If I had time to preach, my environment doesn't dictate the favor of God on my life. My circumstance doesn't dictate the favor of God on my life. Whether you like me or not doesn't dictate whether the favor of God is on my life. If only we could catch a revelation of that, we would stop complaining about our job and our marriage and our city and our government and our nation and realize that God can bless me in the midst of the mess. I don't need perfection around me because it's my heart that attracts God's favor, not my environment. But that's not the message. 
So here it is, Daniel was favored by God, and he went from being a slave to being second in command in the nation. It was three men that ran the entire nation with him under the authority of the king. He was still a slave, but a slave with great influence. And his colleagues Uh, They didn't like the idea that this Jew, that this slave was on the same level as them. So they began to examine Daniel's life to figure out how can we discredit him? How can we prove to the king that he doesn't deserve to be in this position? There's like 15 messages in this one message. The Bible says that they examined his entire life and they could find no flaw, no lack of integrity, There was nothing that they could pin on him except his faith in Jesus Christ. If your life was examined, is the only thing they can get on you is that you love Jesus. Is the only dirt that they, if there's anything bad about that person, they're at church too much. They love God too much. They pray too much. My prayer is that I would have the type of integrity that if someone examined my life, the only thing they had on me was he's a little extra about Jesus, but other... But they said, oh, no, it's okay. We can use his faith against him. So they went to the king and they said, hey, king, how about we set this season of 30 days where nobody is allowed to pray or petition any other God except for you. And anybody who prays to another God will be cast into the lion's den. So they, decry, they, they make this decree, they sign it into law, they declare it. And here's the passage that we, ah, you gotta understand, there's not a lot of meek and mild, docile men and women of God that get documented in Scripture. There's not a lot of passive and weak people that get documented in Scripture. Here's what the passage said. It says, Daniel read the law and went instantly to pray. Like, you got to understand the boldness and the ignorance in that. He literally goes up to the Constitution of Babylon. Thou shalt not pray. Gotcha. Where are you going? I'm going to go pray. <laughs> Listen, I am submitted to the law of heaven, for I'm submitted to any law that a man here on earth can make. So Daniel goes off and prays. Here's the whole message. And his prayer life nearly got him killed. Daniel wasn't in the lion's den because he had sinned. Daniel wasn't in the lion's den because he tripped and fell. Daniel wasn't in the lion's den because he was overly ambitious and he wanted a great life. Daniel was in the lion's den because of his prayer life. What do you do when prayer doesn't make things better? It makes things worse. What do you do when life was fine before you started to pray? That actually I had no sickness and I had no drama in relationships and I had, what do you do when I was good before I started to seek God with passion and intensity and it's not until I started to seek God with passion and intensity that all hell broke loose. Hear me, there's a pursuit of God that wakes hell up. There's a pursuit of God that is an offense to the enemy. And there's a pursuit of God through prayer that is going to bring problems, not chase them away. Pastor, you have convinced me to never pray again. I don't want no problems. I don't want no drama. 
As I look at scripture, prayer causes problems everywhere. It was Daniel's prayer life that ended up in him in the lion's den. The only reason why Judas knew where to find Jesus and betray him was because Jesus would pray in the same garden every single night, so Judas knew where to find Jesus. Stephen, my namesake, spelt with a PH, not a V, because PH is biblical. He got murdered while he was praying. John, God's beloved, was abandoned on an island just so that he could pray. I'm telling you, prayer is powerful. Prayer is not just now I lay me down and see if I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before, is that not the worst prayer to teach your child ever? Okay, you're three years old. Let me tell you how to prepare for death. If I die before I... Let's, let's not teach our kids that one. Let's teach them with long life, you will satisfy me. <laughs> Prayer is not just God is good, God is great, and I thank you. It's not these easy, docile, man, I'm going to pray to make me feel good. You have to understand that prayer shifts heavens. Prayer pushes back the enemy. Prayer breaks open the supernatural of God in our lives. Prayer att attracts the attack of the enemy. Yeah. Now you may say, Pastor, uh, uh, great. I don't want to pray. I'm not showing up at 6 a.m. Don't ask me. I won't be there. I got enough drama. I don't want any more. Here's what I think Daniel understood that we need to understand. Daniel said, I didn't have to go to the lion's den. But whether I went to the lion's den or not, I was a slave anyway. And because I know who my God is, and I know what he spoke over my life, I refuse to stay in a state of slavery when this is not what my God promised me in his word, and this is not what he's called for me. Here's the thing. You got problems before you pray. Because you have to understand that there is an enemy that is looking to steal, kill, and destroy in every area of your life. And I know you may say, Pastor, I didn't come for all of this. I just came because I heard it was an encouraging church, and this is my first Sunday, and I'm scared, and I'm going home, and I'm sorry that you're scared. You're going to leave empowered and understanding how to walk in the authority of God. But we don't live in an incubator where life is just A, neutral, not spirit. We live on a battlefield where the enemy desires to steal your hope and your joy and your marriage and your health. But God says, I've come that you can have life and life more abundantly. You have to make a decision. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines as a victim. I'm going to get out there where the bullets are flying, and I'm going to move the kingdom of God forward. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. What did you write down on your prayer card? What are you believing God for in this, in this season? What are the problems that you're facing that you finally mustered up enough faith to believe that God can do something about it? Are you willing to suffer for that breakthrough? Because here, here, here's our misconception about prayer. We, we think that prayer 
is equivalent, and I, I, you may not be a sports fan, but you're going to catch my analogy. There's this, this game, it's called football. And uh, there's these two teams, they're on a field, there's 11 players per team, and, and the whole idea is to knock each other out, and eventually somebody scores. Now, the head coach is down on the field with the players, but you have different coordinators, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, the special team coordinator, and oftentimes they sit up in a skybox so that they can see everything that's happening on the field, and they call the plays down to the field. They don't actually execute the plays. They just call them down, and the players are on the field, and they're executing that play. This is too much details for those of you who don't care about football, but I'm going to just take this step a little bit further. As an offensive coordinator, I don't mind calling a play that's going to get my running back smacked because I'm not actually on the field. I don't have to take the hit. I'm just telling him to go take the hit. And as he limps off the field, I'm like, put another one in. We got it. We're good. We're... Our perspective of prayer is that we're not on the field, that we're up calling plays down, and we get to ask God for things, but we don't have to take the hit for it. So I, there's no such thing as an answered prayer that you don't participate in the breakthrough. There's no such thing as a breakthrough I'm going to get in trouble that doesn't break something in you. I'm in trouble. God 100% can heal your marriage. We have some crazy stories at Union Church of people that divorced, went their separate ways, and God supernaturally healed their heart, brought them back together. They're remarried and building the marriage that God has for them. Don't tell me I serve a God that does not look at dead situations and call them alive. There is nothing our God can't do. He can absolutely bring breakthrough in your life. But it's going to cost you something. There's going to be pain connected to that breakthrough. And if we don't understand that sometimes the problem's not the problem, sometimes prayer is the problem. When our prayer takes us down a path of pain, sometimes we can deviate or detour or actually return and say, never mind God, I don't want it anymore. Because we don't understand that prayer has a process. But we're not even going to make it clean. Let me stay on the marriage part for a second, and, and we'll, we'll get there. Pastor, yes, God can heal my marriage, but, but what do you mean that, that I'm supposed to experience pain and suffering while he does it? Listen, I'm not asking you to stay in an abusive relationship. I'm not asking you to stay in a place where you're endangered or threatened or whatever it may be. If that's the situation, by the way, come talk to us, because we got some men at Union Church. I'm just playing. I'm, just playing. I'm not playing, but I am playing. But anyway, bring the brother here. Anyway. But it may be that you're going to have to choke down the fact that you're not fully fulfilled in this season. And that's the pain that you're going to have to endure for a season until God brings that breakthrough. It may be that there's some dreams of your heart that you're going to have to put on pause and on a shelf because you're not going to be able to fulfill them until this breakthrough happens. Hear me. God is able to do any and everything in our life, but there's a process to the prayer, and that process will cause us some pain. I hate when I have a 20-minute intro and then three minutes to give all the points. Y'all ready? 
Go ahead, take your, take, take your pen out, take your phone out, write some points down. There's, there, there's three thoughts that I want to give you of the process to pain. Step number one is this. If you're going to see prayer produce breakthrough in your life, you have to pick consistency over calamity. If you're going to see prayer produce breakthrough in your life, you're going to have to commit to the consistency of prayer. Let me say it this way. More than you're committed to the avoidance of pain. So as we read in this passage, there's this decree that goes forth where the, the, the king said, no one is to pray for 30 days. And anybody who prays during those 30 days, they're going to get thrown in the lion's den. Daniel reads that. And he instantly goes and prays. He doesn't pray once. He says he prayed three times that day. I feel like his enemies were watching him. Oh, that's just once. He ain't going to pray again. Yeah. 12 o'clock comes. Oh, this joker's praying again. Yeah. Nine o'clock. He's three times. Okay, we have enough evidence to go to the king. He didn't pray once. He prayed three times. Y'all know I'm ignorant. I always ask my Bible questions. Daniel had three options that could help him avoid that lion's den. Option A, stop praying for 30 days. They didn't say for the rest of your life. It was just 30, just don't pray for 30 days. Can I be shady for a second? Some of us haven't prayed for 30 days for less. <laughs> pray for me. I need help. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'm sleep deprived. It's Jade's fault. Anyway. And all he had to do was not pray for 30 days, and he would have been fine. I'm not saying abandon your prayer life forever. Just for 30 days, Daniel said, I'm not going to do it. That's option one. Here's option two. Change the time that you pray. The only reason why they knew to come and watch him, because the Bible said for years, Daniel prayed at the exact same time three times a day. Could you imagine Daniel was in like the lead team meeting of Babylon? And he said, y'all, you can finish up this meeting. I got to go. This is my prayer time. All he, if you normally pray at nine, Daniel, let's try seven. You normally pray at 12. How about all he had to do was adjust his schedule. Somebody say option two. Here's option three. Yo, I love God's word. Close the window. He did not just pray three times. I wish some of this holy boldness would come on us. Daniel said, oh, don't pray? Okay. He goes home. He opens the windows. Open the floodgates. He said, I'm not just praying. I'm praying for heaven to invade. And heaven can't invade through a closed window. I don't know why he opened the window. But he said, I am not adjusting my life in any way for the enemy. Daniel wasn't just praying. Daniel was on the offense. Daniel understood the power in his consistency. He said, I can't take 30 days off because I'm working on something with my prayer. I can't change my schedule because I'm working on something with my prayer and I refuse to close the window because for you, closing the window is self-preservation. But for me, closing the window is going to impact my faith because I'm now more aware of what the enemy has said instead of what God says. I'm not adjusting myself for anybody. I am seeking God. And because of his commitment to consistency instead of his commitment to his personal Safety. Yeah. 
He said, I'm going to pray. But here's what Daniel understood that we need to understand. That part of the process of breakthrough, part of the process of prayer is consistency. You may get your breakthrough tomorrow at 6 a.m. I'm not going to say you probably won't. I'm just going to say you might not. It might work the first time, but it might not. And is your faith in God or is your faith in your timing? Here's what the Bible says in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. It says this, then he said to me, do not fear Daniel, for from the first Day. Somebody say first day. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Somebody say, God hears me. Come on, prophesy over yourself. Somebody say, God has never ignored me. Say, God's eyes are locked on me. He said, from the first time you set your heart towards God, your words were heard. And he said, I have come because of your prayer. But, he said, but, here's the problem. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Why did Daniel pray for 21 days? Not because it took 21 days to get God's attention. Not because it took 21 days to convince God that he was worth the breakthrough. Because there was 21 days of battles in the heavenly that was taking place. And as Daniel was praying, angels were being dispatched. Here's what I believe. For every extra day of prayer, there was an extra angel that was sent. And it took 21 angels to break through the demonic spirit of Persia. Daniel understood that there's breakthrough connected to my consistency. And as I'm, hear me, prayer is never convincing God to be on your side. But there is an enemy that is looking to oppose what God has promised in your life. And as you continue on consistently in prayer, the enemy gets pushed back more and more and more. Here's a thought. What if every prayer pushes the enemy back an inch? And you need 24 inches before the breakthrough comes. Look at this. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. Is talking about what things look like in heaven right now. It says, now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, which is Jesus, each having a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. I don't have time to preach the whole book of Revelation, and I can't preach the whole book of Revelation. So I'll just give you this one little revelation that I have from that verse. In heaven... It says there's these 24 elders, they have crowns, and 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I don't know if there's hours and days in heaven, but you get the point. They're sitting before God. They're laying their crowns at his feet. They're saying, holy, holy, holy. And he said there's these four creatures, these, these cherubim and these angels that are worshiping God. One of the jobs of these 24 elders is to bring golden bowls, somebody say bowl, of your prayers before God. Just a thought. When, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on as it already is in. So what I'm believing for on earth is already in reality in heaven. Can I say it this way? So I need it to out of heaven 
and drip down to earth. Just the thought. There's a bowl that holds my prayers, but that bowl is in heaven. And I need that bowl to spill out of heaven and drip down. Healing from cancer is already a reality in heaven. I just need that reality to overflow and to spill out into my... What if day one of 21 days of prayer, my bowl gets filled a little bit? And what if day two of prayer, it gets filled a little bit more? And then day three, and then day four, and I'm praying without ceasing because I got to start up this illustration. What if I get discouraged? What if I believe the lie of the enemy that God said no? I feel this prophetically. All of heaven is saying, keep pouring. Don't you dare stop there. What if we're in a position where infertility will only last for three more prayers? And if you would just keep pouring and pouring, next thing you know, it will overflow out of the heavenlies into the reality of your life. Daniel understood my prayer life may cause me pain, but I can't stop because my consistency is going to bring breakthrough in my Here's why we pray 21 days, uh, 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 21 days twice a year. Hear me, every year. Here's why prayer at Union Church is every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. Here's why Catalyst is every single month. Why? Because we're not believing that on this Saturday something is going to break through in our lives. We're believing for the last decade that we've been pouring and pouring and pouring. And I don't know when it's going to overflow, but I'm telling you, revival is going to overflow in this. I was talking to somebody last week. They, 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 they said, this was my first time at church at the BWI campus. They said, when I got out of my car in the parking lot, I felt the peace of God sweep over in the parking lot. There was no worship. There was no music. There was no preaching. There was just a parking team saying, we're so honored and glad that you're here. Is the parking lot blessed? No. The whole campus is covered in prayer and the presence of God. People have been preparing an atmosphere of miracles from the days of living waters and I-5 and Destiny Harvest Church. And I'm telling you, it's getting ready to overflow in your life. Consistency. Oh, it may hurt. It may cause pain. But I'm going to be consistent. The second thought is this. second thought is this. Accuracy and authenticity. If your prayer is going to bring breakthrough, you need to understand two, three things. The first thing is this. I got to be consistent even if it hurts. The second thought is this. I need to be accurate and authentic. Hear me, not just consistent. (laughs) Can I preach for a second? You could be consistently wrong. (laughs) You can consistently miss. (laughs) You can consistently be confused. So it's not consistency in futility, it's consistency in accuracy. Daniel chapter 9 verse 2, it says this, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, watch this, understood by the book, that's talking about the Bible, the number of the years specified 
by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, and he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Then I set my face towards the Lord to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. So here's what happened. The 21 days of prayer was Daniel praying that God would deliver Israel out of slavery back to the promise that he had given them. Daniel started praying on the exact day that the Bible said they would no longer be in captivity. Tracking? <sighs> Pastor Josh, I'm going to get in trouble. Just for fun, do you know why Israel was in captivity? Because they skipped the Sabbath for 490 years. <sighs> Pastor Darius, I need to be nice, but not that nice. They skipped gathering together as God commanded us to in the Bible. They skipped setting a day aside to worship God and not work for it. They worked seven days a week for 490 years. Somebody say, I'll preach the Bible. He maketh me lie down in green pastures so that my soul can be restored. God said, if you're not going to rest, I'm going to make you rest. So they were in captivity for 70 years because they had skipped 70 years of Sabbath. So he said, listen, you will rest voluntarily or you will rest involuntarily, but you will rest. So Daniel read that and he said, okay, 70 years because we've sinned, not a day longer. And I feel like Daniel was up at midnight, 69 and 364 Five, Jesus, today's the day. Get me out. Daniel's, Daniel's prayer life was motivated by the promises of God, not the problems of his reality. Daniel wasn't praying because he had a problem. Daniel was praying because he had a promise. God had promised him that he doesn't have to be in captivity for one day past 70 years. And the second it hit God, you promised Get me out of here. How do I know that God's going to respond to my prayers when I'm praying what he promised? There's some confusing things that could be said in a message, and then you're going to have to do what Paul said. You're going to have to work your faith out by fear and trembling. Problems don't move heaven. Pain doesn't move heaven. Hardship doesn't move heaven. Faith moves heaven. Here's, here's what Jesus, the Bible says. God said in 2 Chronicles when he was teaching us how to pray. This is the famous prayer verse. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, then I turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal your land. Just a thought. Not a 100% Bible, but an analogy. You'll get it. Maybe God can only hear certain frequencies. Maybe it's not words that God can hear. It's the right words. Maybe it's not just cries that God can hear. It's the right cries. Cries that are based on his word, based on faith, based on his promises, not just based on our problems. First John chapter 5, verse 14 says this. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will. Watch this. He'll hear you. Now, don't get me in trouble. 
He always hears you. But sometimes he hears you and he can't respond. Because what he hears is not his promises echoing back to him. What he hears is fear. What he hears is a lack of faith. What he hears is us questioning his ability, his love for us, his care for us, or his plan for He said, if you would just pray my will, I will hear. And you know, we know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. Now, if you are an attorney in this room, uh, you will have no respect for me, but that's okay. I think I could be an attorney because I've watched years of Law and & Order and Suits and Boston Legal, and I think uh, the law world happens just that way. And here's how my attorney mind works. I'm not an attorney, but I think I am. You're standing in front of a judge, and, and I object or whatever, maybe throw this case out, and the judge is like, I'm not listening to you. And then you say, I've watched enough TV, in the precedence of, and you bring up some past ruling from past case, and all of a sudden the judge says, throw the case out, I'm going with that or what, because there's a precedence that was set, and I have to go along with that precedence. Hear me, God has set a precedence for healing. God has set a precedence for breakthrough. God has set a precedence for what he is. Now, everybody's saying amen except for the attorneys in the room. They're like, Pastor... You're close. Stick to the Bible. This ain't your deal. Hear me. God said, if you will bring my promises up, I guarantee it will come to pass in your life. I don't just need consistency. I need accuracy. Oh, I've been preached myself in a corner. Let me not get in trouble. So are you telling me that God doesn't care enough about me to respond to my pain? That even though I'm in pain, God's going to ignore me until I get some special code that unlocks his grace? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is God has given you this earth. See, when you go back to Genesis, the Bible says that he has given us dominion over the natural realm. That it's up to us to subdue everything on this earth. And the Bible also says that God's not man. He can't lie nor change his mind. So because he's given us dominion over the earth realm, we always have dominion over the earth realm. And he cannot step in and supersede the dominion that he's given us. So here's what all of that means. God says, I want to heal you. I see your pain. Your cries break my heart. But until you come in agreement with me, I can't move because you're the one that holds the power here in the earth realm. So I need your prayer to come in agreement with my word. I need your desires to come in agreement with the word. And the second that we come into agreement, the supernatural breaks through in our lives. Somebody say, make it simple. So when you get sick, don't pray. Huh? When you get sick, hear me, run to the Bible first. Get you a promise and then go pray that promise. When you need a breakthrough in a relationship, in your marriage, in the relationship with your child, don't pray first. Run to your Bible first. Get you a promise that says he holds the hearts of kings in his hand, that he takes a heart of stone and he turns it back to flesh, and then take that promise into your prayer closet and do what Moses did and Abraham did and Joshua did. God, did you not say? God, did you not promise? Did you not decree? You think the law of the Medes and the Persians are the only law that cannot change? 
change. It is God's word that cannot change, and he will always respond to it. Ah, somebody said we got to land this plane. Let me just say it this way. You can't say that you have a prayer life and you don't know your word. What, what you praying? There ain't nothing to pray but the promises. So I got to know his promises if I'm going to be able to pray with accuracy. The last thing is this. Ah, I saved the worst for last, y'all. Brokenness precedes breakthrough. How many people want breakthrough? Nobody. <laughs> like, well, pastor, we heard where this message is going. I don't want no part of it. Well, you're, you're point, you made it to point three, so we, we in here. You ain't going nowhere. Brokenness always precedes breakthrough. What's breakthrough? Breakthrough is simply when heaven's desires comes to manifest in my life, when cancer is broken off, when poverty is broken off, when discouragement, anxiety, whatever it may be, when the desires of heaven comes to pass in my life. Before the desires of heaven can come to pass in my life, there will always be brokenness in me. Before I can see breakthrough around me, something will break inside of me. I had a crazy experience. It's probably three years ago. Uh, someone set up a tour for me and a whole bunch of pastors where we got to tour the University of Alabama's football program. We walked through the entire facility. We sat in their film room and the, the team rooms. And by the way, if you're an Alabama fan, God bless you. It is one of the most arrogant programs I have ever seen in my life. You got Super Bowl rings everywhere. They got a wall with every NFL player that has graduated from that school for the last hundred years. I mean, it is literally an entire campus of we're the best, which by the way, they are because uh, they've won almost every championship in the last 10 years straight. But the strength and conditioning coach was the one giving us the tour. And here's what he said. He said, it is almost impossible for a freshman to come out of high school, come on my team, and make it on the field freshman year. And he's, you know, he's a strength and conditioning coach, which means he's crazy. And he had this, like, water boy, like, Louisiana accent. I can't, let me tell you something, okay? It's impossible for almost anybody in little freshman high school boys to come on my field and to start freshman year. He talked just like that. And he said, here's why, because they're too fluffy. <laughs> I said, what? He said, they're too fluffy. He said, I need a year to get all that baby fat worked off of them. I got to feed them. I got to beef them up. I got to get them some muscle. Because if I take that fluffy freshman and I put him on the field, he said, them grown men out there going to break them. <laughs> and we're like dying laughing. And he's like, no, no, I'm serious. You come to my program. The first year of this program has one goal, to get your weight up. Because you've just stepped into a different realm. These boys are faster. They're stronger. It's not the little high school boys you were playing with. This is a different league. Here's what we don't understand about our prayers. Prayer is not just a communication tool. Prayer is a vehicle that takes us to different realms in the kingdom of God. You're stepping up to a new level. And here's what God is saying, like that coach was saying. You're too fluffy spiritually. To be able to maximize the influence that you're going to have when you step into that breakthrough. So I need something to get your weight up. You think it's the attack of the enemy, but what it actually is is some Holy Spirit barbells that he has put on your faith that is strengthening you. Watch this. I'm going to land this plane. I promise I'm done. We think Daniel's only problem was the lion's den. Daniel, we don't want you to die by lion's teeth. Can you avoid the lion's den? But as you read the book of Daniel, the lion's den was in chapter 6. 
the 21 days of prayer and fasting that released an entire nation into freedom was in chapter 10. If Daniel had not built his faith muscle in that lion's den, maybe he would have never had the faith to pray for an entire nation to be delivered. Just hear me this way. There's a faith that you come out of a lion's den with that you didn't go into it with. I don't care how saved you are. You, you don't believe God having never been in a pit the way that you believe God when you come out of that pit and he shut the mouth of those lions. And not talking about you, just talking about Stephen. So many pits, so many lion's dens I end up in. And boy, you should hear my pity party prayer life. God, how could you? And why did you? And I've been faithful to you and I don't deserve this. I've been a faithful follower of God. And God says, I know this isn't what you want. I know it's not what I want for you. And I know this is the enemy, but hear me. I'm building a faith muscle in that. And don't you worry, you may be in a pit but I'm going to shut the mouth of the lion. You will not be devoured in that situation. And you're going to walk out different, baby. You're going to walk out saying, there's nothing my God cannot do. Good news, bad news. Bad news. Your faith, your prayer will cause you problems. Here's the neutral news. You, you got problems anyway, so it don't even matter. You might, your problems might as well lead you to progress. How, how about we stop living lives to avoid problems? And we start living lives to see thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Because it already is in heaven. But if you push through the pain, if you push through the problems, you're going to see a breakthrough that God always had for you. And it's going to be greater than anything you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Father God, we're grateful that you said you will never leave us nor forsake us. God, I pray for every single person right now that finds themselves in a pit. Man, this message is just a little too close to home because I hear those lions of cancer, those lions of divorce, those lions of bankruptcy are are barking at me. God, I pray in this moment that you would encourage that person, that you would let them know you may be in a pit, but you have a God that shuts the mouth of the lions. And even in that pain, you're going to use it for our good. Just we are, with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this time to make this message personal to you. I think sometimes we misrepresent Christianity and we paint a picture of Christianity as it is a opportunity to avoid all the pain in life. No, no, no. Christianity is an opportunity to experience life for the first time ever. It's an opportunity to walk in relationship with your creator and to fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. It may come with pain, but it'll be worth it you're in here and you say, Pastor, I can't say that I've ever stepped into that kind of Christianity. I can't say I've ever surrendered my life to God. Whether it gets better or it gets worse, I want all of him. I'm tired of doing this by myself. If that's you, this is your moment that everything changes. If that's you, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Father God, thank you for caring about me enough to want me 
to love me, to use me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross so that all of my sin, all my mistakes can be erased. Today I ask that you would take my life, be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate for every single person?